Welcome to TW Now. Today's topic and today's title is Big Data and the Beast. I would like to welcome you to the show. Some governments are enacting legislation to give citizens more control over their personal data. Many of you have heard about GDPR in Europe. At the same time, uh, governments and uh, corporations are also hungry to acquire more data on people. In addition to that, we know around the world surveillance cameras are being put up, police forces are using surveillance cameras, and there's a lot of concern about uh, privacy and about how your data and how your face might be used and might be recognized. It's being used, data's being used by governments as well as by businesses. There's also concerns that rogue states, criminals, and terrorists might access your personal data, profile who you are, where you're going, who your friends are, and use that information for nefarious purposes. Uh, good afternoon, I'm Wyatt Soselka. I'd like to welcome you to the show. I'm here with our very special guests, uh, Dr. Doug Winnell and Mr. Dexter Wakefield. Dr. Winnell is the director of CAD, the Director of Church Administration, and travels all around the world uh, doing uh, <coughs> seminars and, and uh, presentations. And Mr. Dexter Wakefield is the Vice President for uh, Business Operations, and both are longtime ministers. I'd like to jump right into the topic and ask a question for these gentlemen to, to respond to. We know that data surveillance can be used for good. We, knew, we know data surveillance can be used for bad. We've read articles where it's talked about the uh, 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 police finding missing children and so forth. Uh, so what are your quick thoughts on how it can be used for good and for bad? I think this is one of these uh, situations where there's good news and there's bad news. <laughs> that the good news is that you can find lost children, you can uh, use it for security, but it also can be abused. And one of the great ironies of this whole thing is that people have talked about the great democratization of uh, uh, technology around the world, that everybody can talk to everybody else and the world is being democratized by this. And then on the other hand, you have the irony that these authoritarian regimes are using this to keep, uh, to keep total surveillance on the population. So you have democratization on one hand and authoritarian government on the other, both coming from the same thing. We're going to drill deeply into this, into this subject. Let's put up a couple news items on screen right now. The first is a New York Times article, and you, you gentlemen commented about the, the, the concerns around the world. What you see on screen right now is a recent New York Times article that is showing facial recognition technology being used in Beijing, China. Now, I want to say that the Chinese government is trying to do a lot of good with this. They're trying to deal with, you know, <coughs> criminals and, and find lost children and things like that. But there is a concern that your face in a crowd can be recognized and mapped out and we understand where you're going, who your friends are, what you're buying and so forth. Let's show one more item on the screen. This is a recent protest that occurred in Germany in the state of North Rhine-Westphalia and they're protesting some new police surveillance 
and control legislation that's going into place following what they did in Bavaria. And so here you have this Dusseldorf demonstration against new police surveillance laws. Now in the control room, gentlemen, please scroll down and I want to show the audience one of these uh, protest signs. Just keep scrolling down, you'll see the protest sign where right there. Uh, now this is a protest <coughs> sign, but this shows you what people are fearful about. Right, that 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 data can be used in in, in ways to, to to potentially harm or take away your 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 rights and freedoms, uh, gentlemen. Let's let's drill more deeply into this, Do Dr. Winelk. Would you like to just drill in more <coughs> into the pros and cons and what we're seeing on the world government scene? You know, one of the signs that you had there was in Germany, and I think Germans have a good uh, basis for being concerned. You know, they've been through the Nazi era, where the Nazis used personal data. Uh, the Chinese, the article talked about a dystopian type of situation. That's a big word, but it's just the opposite of utopia. You know, dystopia is, a, is, a, is an imaginary, <laughs> it's supposed to be an imaginary situation right. where people are living in a totalitarian government with a lot of fear. But we're watching on the screen here, we've just seen these articles, that China is moving in that direction. Mm. All they have to do is move the camera up and see who the person was that was holding that sign. Mm. And they all of a sudden become a person of interest if they're a threat to your regime. Very, very, <coughs> very good observation. Mr. Wakefield? Uh, in the article you mentioned, there were some great new terms. One is algorithmic governance. You know, government by computer. They can find out what you're doing. They can uh, know all about you. They know everything uh, that you're doing. And you have computer control or a certain measure of it uh, throughout a population. I, I think this is something that people are very worried about. They say, well, what have you got to hide? What have you got to hide? Well, privacy is freedom. You know, you're not hiding anything, but if you want to maintain your privacy and not <coughs> having the government watching you all the time, uh, that's what people are becoming more and more worried about. We're going into this dystopian uh, vision that you're talking about. It's becoming a reality. And, and, you know, we need to move fast, but hasn't this been a concern for, for decades? We were talking about George Orwell, and there's a quote from him, I'll mention it. Uh, he wrote, and this is not from 1984, this is from a, a paper he wrote in, in uh, the year 1946, and he said, in our age there is no such thing as keeping out of politics all issues are political issues. When you think about what they're doing, for example, in China with the social credit where you, you get a social credit score and that helps determine you know, can you travel or not. Uh, in George Orwell's time, we didn't have computers that were capable of processing that mm -hmm. data, mm -hmm. let alone artificial intelligence, things like that. Um, before we move on to the next point, do you gentlemen feel that um, in general we're going to move toward using this for good or in general we're going to move toward using this for harm over the coming years on the world scene? We need to take a, a historical perspective on this. If you just look at current things, well, it looks like it's justified because of terrorism and so on. But when you look back historically, uh, there was an inquisition in Europe and they used personal information that was available at that time. The Nazis used personal information. Uh, the communists have used personal information. So we need to be very concerned. Now that's historical, but there's also a biblical perspective that we can get into a little bit later. Thank you. No, a really uh, good, good comment. And uh, has human nature changed in the last 50 years where all of a sudden we, we, we can ensure ourselves we won't use uh, 
this type of data collection for any type of harmful uh, purpose. Let's go to topic number two, big data discrimination. That kind of leads us right into topic number two, big data discrimination. So my question for uh, the panel is, let's talk about big data and let's talk about that within the framework of religion. Uh, maybe first let's talk about mainstream Christianity without getting into Baptists and different, you know, different denominations. Just mainstream Christianity. Do either of you see a world where mainstream Christianity could become marginalized, could become even potentially criminalized? It's happening. It's happening in the United States. It's happening in Europe, uh, in the UK. That if you are promoting certain ideas, uh, you don't think that abortion is something they should be doing, this becomes notice noticeable. It can be part of your personal data. Uh, if you go to church, what day it is, whatever it is that you, day you go, people know where you're going. Um, there's some books by the title of The Criminalization of Christianity today. People have been put in jail because they quote the Bible. So these things are moving. Uh, it's, it's not way off in the future. These things are happening today. There's a, a question that just came in on uh, Facebook, I believe, and uh, they're asking, or may, might be from YouTube, they're asking, uh, is personal data collection uh, being used to set us up for persecution? So that's a question we just got. I would like to, I I would like to kick that over to Mr. Wakefield in just a second, but I want to remind you all to please share the link. Uh, we're, on Facebook, we're on YouTube and uh, Facebook, so share the link, and we do want your questions. So a question came in, Mr. Wakefield. Is, do you, we feel that personal data collection is, is, is happening in order for there to, to set up persecution? Maybe answer that question within the framework of, of original Christianity, the Christianity that Jesus Christ taught. Hmm. Well, of course, any time a government has a power, they can get around to using it if they feel like they need to. You mentioned uh, political and personal a little while ago. Uh, there was a saying back in the 60s and 70s, I believe it originated with the feminist movement, that the personal is the political. Well, the thing is, their personal, their political is to become your personal. That's what they're really talking about. So they can use this. And there have been uh, times when the, um, uh, the, the, the church, the original church of God, what our Catholic friends call the, the primary um, uh, primitive church, rather, that they were told that they uh, cited that their faith was not only um, uh, heretical, but anathema. And that happened in the fourth century, as you recall, with the councils of um, uh, Laodicea and Nicaea. So there is a predisposition against this particular Christianity. Whether it'll be used that way, well, we think it very well could. But governments, when they get power, they tend to use it. And metadata can be used to track people and to find out what they're doing and why. Let's stay on this topic for a few more minutes. Uh, we really have a lot of questions coming in, so thank you for the questions. Send those questions in. One question we just got is, okay, should we avoid doing anything that can be surveilled? Now, I, I, I know that's impossible unless you really go live in the, in the forest and, you know, but I understand, I think we all understand the intent of that question. So let's talk about that for a second. Uh, should we avoid doing things that, should be, that could be surveilled? And I'd like to ask a follow-up, and I'd like you gentlemen to talk about this. Um, we know that we can't avoid all, kind, all <coughs> surveillance, so maybe we should talk a little bit about what, what should a Christian's behavior be knowing that there's going to be some amount of data collection. So 
throw that question at both <coughs> you gentlemen. You know, the Bible talks about being wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. So using wisdom. But in terms of avoiding surveillance, if you use a credit card, they're going to be able to trace that. If you're using uh, facial recognition uh, as you walk into a store, they've got your picture. So you're probably not going to be able to do anything. Mm. You just have to be wise. Uh, don't do foolish things. Uh, don't antagonize unnecessarily. <laughs> and we were we were talking a little bit earlier about if you travel internationally and in a lot of other places that they will ask you to look at the camera please so you look at the camera you take your glasses off they want you to take them off mm -hmm. and they take your facial proportions your exact facial proportions are very much like a fingerprint that they can get those and identify people uh, by that <clears throat> portrait artists have known for a long time that what gives you the sense of recognition or your facial proportions, and if they can get those exact, then you really look like yourself in a, in a picture. That's what a, uh, the photograph gets it exactly right. But what they can do is, uh, uh, once they have that, then anywhere you go where the cameras, they can track you. The city of London, for instance, the camera's everywhere. Mm -hmm. And now there are, what, 200,000 of them around China? And this is a growing phenomenon. I don't see how people are going to be able to get away from it. We were talking earlier about another news item in Orlando. The Orlando police are testing an Amazon facial recognition product. And, and I want to say for myself, and I, 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 tell me if you men you know, don't agree, but um, I understand that most of the policemen and probably most of the government officials, they're, 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 they're tr for the most part, they're trying to protect. I think for the most part, you know, they're, they're not asking the policemen to wear cameras so that they can round everybody up. There's some conspiracy theorists who think that's the case, but I think the average policeman is trying to be a, a, a good a force for good. You know, find lost children, uh, uh, arrest the bad guy. But in Orlando, they have, they've been testing this for a year or so, an Amazon product. Uh, it's happening in China across the country. So we, you can't avoid that. We're not going to go out in public. You know, a couple things here. There's an article in Forbes magazine, Facial Recognition Technology, 10 Views on Risks and Rewards. And it mentions if it's used ethically, it's, it's a force for good. But we can't guarantee it's going to be used ethically. But it also talks about human mistakes. Mm -hmm. That you may pull up information that's, that's not correct or there's a perspective that's missing. You know, another aspect, too, is that... Um, we're talking about protecting against uh, terrorists, but we need to be concerned about protecting against fraud. If you put your picture on Facebook, they can pull it off there. And unless you've got some sophisticated mm -hmm. technology, they can use that picture to pick, figure out your biometrics and then they can begin to steal things. Maybe the answer to uh, your questioner is you're on Facebook. Is mm -hmm. your picture anywhere on the internet where it's identified <coughs> with your name? You're already there. Right. You're, you're already there. And we've seen how, you know, we've had data leaks where Facebook and other companies, they're not the only one, have been the victims of, of data being leaked. Mm -hmm. So even if we were to say, well, we, we trust Facebook, you know, um, well, what if the, their data, what if your data is stolen? The Supreme Court nomination that <coughs> President Trump is making, uh, we might find an interesting uh, data privacy debate happening here uh, in the news, possibly. Uh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh, I don't know a lot about him, but I, I know that there's already an article I found uh, from thehill.com, and uh, basically there's concern about his um, 
position on data privacy. Now, I, 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 I'm not an expert on his position, but, but this article mentioned that um, uh, they were concerned about a ruling he made uh, back in 2015 uh, regarding a U.S. government met metadata collection program and where he said, according to thehill.com, uh, that the critical national security need outweighs the impact <laughs> of privacy uh, as is occasioned by the program. On, on the face of it, okay, fine. I mean, if, if there's going to be an imminent attack on the United States, we, we want that stopped. But can you have both? Can you have freedom, true freedom in today's world? In 2018, can you have freedom to practice your religion, but also have the government know everything about what you believe and what, you, what your religious beliefs are? Can those two be reconciled in, in truth today in 2018 in Western society? You know, what is driving this, I think Kavanaugh's concern was national security. But there's a concept called the uh, law of unexpected consequences. Unintended. Unintended, yeah. unexpected, whatever. <laughs> you do something for a certain reason and then things happen because you didn't anticipate this was going to happen or you didn't anticipate it was going to work out that way. Mm -hmm. And this is, I think, part of the big concern. Here, and let's be careful not to ask the wrong question. The question <coughs> isn't what is the government doing, it's what it can they do. Right. What does this give them the capacity of doing? And if they need to subordinate uh, personal freedoms to political or social goals, or what, what comes next. All of this is now available within the context of events and circumstances, and extraordinary new means of surveillance, of, of phone calls, everything else is very close to being uh, coming to fruition. You know, in just a moment, we're going to transition and talk about uh, how we can resist what's coming. So we're not going to go there quite yet. <coughs> but uh, I was reminded of, you know, you asked, you know, let's ask the right question. Uh, Ephesians 2 verse 2 mentions that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. Uh, we've often mentioned that, 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 that there's a real devil, a real spirit world, and, and that, that spirit world, that evil spirit world is behind uh, uh, governments and influencing things. And so if Satan is the prince of the power of the air, if he can use and has used technology, we've talked before about you know, the, 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 the pornography and violence coming out of Hollywood or the bad <coughs> video games or whatever. So if we believe that the Bible is God's word and that there is a real demonic being named Satan who, who's the prince of the power of the air, um, is it realistic to consider that he's probably behind, you know, some of these movements to collect data and that he might influence <coughs> how it's used? Uh, I mean, it's it's... I don't think it's probable. <laughs> I think it is. Right. So maybe we should, you know, on that note, let, let me, let's transition to the, to the third topic here in just a second. And let me use this uh, news article uh, to transition. Okay. So the third topic today is resisting the mark of the beast. We want to talk about resisting the mark of the beast. What can true Christians, what can uh, Christians do? to resist the mark of the beast. And, and will the beast, whatever that is, we'll talk about that, uh, will the beast use data to help uh, him or it police? Let me, let me reference a, a news article that came out of, of, of the UK, uh, July 8. This comes from the Telegraph. comes from the UK Telegraph, July 8. A, a doctor of 26 years <coughs> in the United Kingdom was terminated. He was sacked. He was terminated. He was fired for refusing to renounce his Christian belief that gender is determined at birth. <coughs> that gender is determined at birth. Um, 
he now cannot be employed by the state-backed uh, medical system. Um, can a Christian uh, adhere to their beliefs and somehow navigate through th what, what's coming? How hard is it going to be? Let, let, let's use that to introduce the, the third topic. Uh, for our uh, viewers who are um, in mainstream or evangelical Christianity or other branches of it, uh, there's a, you know, I love the new words that are popping up. There's some new words, and one of them is Christophobia. Really interesting word. If you haven't heard it, what it is is the fear or loathing of Christian belief, morality, or influence. Their belief, <coughs> Christian morality, such as you just mentioned, or Christian influence. Uh, and so uh, this is being exercised and is becoming downright uh, popular and even expected of people in the <coughs> secular world. It's resulted in kind of a secular bigotry that's uh, being played out in a lot of different places. So I, I think we're seeing the marginalization of Christianity, whether it is uh, original uh, Christianity or whether it's mainstream Christianity here in the United States and other parts of the world due to the secularization of society. And marginalization is a great word. <coughs> Could this doctor become marginalized if his social acceptability is harmed because of his Christian belief? Will he be marginalized and not be able to get another job or this or that? or? You know, in, in China, we now have the social credit system. <coughs> Dr. Nell, did you want to jump in on that? Yes, these articles play up the fact that this was his Christian belief, but he's also a medical doctor. He's a scientist. He's a biologist. So he was also acting from the standpoint of science. You know, they've come up with about 6,000 differences between men and women. You know, if you put this in a slightly different perspective, if somebody walks in and says, well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a woman. I'm a woman and the doctor writes it down, he could be liable for that in another way. You know, if uh, the, the treatments for a man and a woman are going to be different. If uh, he says, uh, I think I feel like I am type A blood today, and he needs a transfusion, but he's not, he could die. You know, so there's a, a, a scientific background, a biological background, as well as the religious. But the articles play up, well, this is his religious idea, so this is weird but he's also on very sound scientific basis. And I think this is part of where his problem was, he's an ethical person. He said, I can't, <laughs> I can't say that they're not something that they aren't. Mm -hmm. I, I think that some of these cases need to distinguish between biological uh, gender, which is your XX and YY chromosomes. Biology, sex, yeah. biological sex. Biological, yeah. well, they, don't, they confuse the two, yeah. your biological yeah. sex and gender. And you, you see what your biological sex is at birth, and that's obvious, and you have it the rest of your life because it's incorporated into all of your cells, into your um, XX and XY chromosomes. But what a person does, you know, when they're 20, 25 years old in terms of their gender identity, I mean, that, you know, you, no one can control what that person is, is going to say about it. So whether a person should be uh, 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 shunned and <coughs> disenfranchised for uh, all of these things is a, is a terrible situation because they tend to confuse the two things. Mm -hmm. So and this is where politics is driving science. Mm -hmm. or, or marginalizing science as well as religion. Right, so, so on, that, on that thread, politics is driving science and marginalizing Christians. Uh, we have a secular, the secularism is growing. Uh, so will this 
eventually turn into what we've warned about, something that the beast is going to use in a heavy-handed way uh, to control, <coughs> to govern, to um, decide who can buy and sell, to decide who can participate in the economy, who can travel, who can have a job, and so forth. So let, let's talk a little bit about prophecy now, if we can. Let's talk a little bit about what is the beast, and let's talk a little bit about uh, the mark. You know, the Bible talks about a mark that the beast will, will have and require. And the Bible talks about a mark that Christians um, have, that God identifies Christians. So the Bible has a lot to say. Uh, you know, data is a way to identify, right? Mm. And the Bible, in my mind, talks a lot about big data. You know, um, thankfully, God's a lot more powerful than Satan, and, and ultimately, I want him to be happy with, with my data, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. There's been some good articles. I think, Mr. Wakefield, you wrote an article on the website, um, Iron and Clay. <coughs> and I uh, know, Dr. Winnell, you wrote one, How the Romans United Europe Then and Now. Let's just take a few minutes and talk about the beast and data at, at the end time. You know, I mentioned earlier that we need to look at this subject not only from current events, but from history, what has happened in history. We had an inquisition in Europe that basically people were killed because they didn't go along with what was politically correct or theologically correct at that time. You know, we have a booklet entitled The Beast of Revelation that talks about a mark of the beast. And this is mentioned in Revelation 13. Revelation 13 talks about, again, a prophetic perspective. And Peter makes a statement, because of Bible prophecy, we can understand what is coming in the future. Now, if we're living in a secular world, nobody pays any attention to that. But the Bible gives us keys as to what is coming. Talks about two beasts, one a political individual, another one a religious individual. Religious individual is going to be pushing people towards following the political one. But it talks about this... Um, the second beast, the spiritual person, the theological person, is going to uh, perform signs and wonders. It's going to deceive many people. And it's going to cause many people who not, do not worship the beast to be killed. So how are they going to know if they're not worshiping the beast? You know, we mentioned the, uh, the novel, 1984, written by George Orwell. You know, he was a Scot. His actual name was Eric Blair. <laughs> he wrote it on the Hebrides up in Jura. Uh, but he, he it was a person that fought for a while in the Spanish Civil War, but he had watched what happened in Germany. He had watched what the communists were doing in Russia. And he wrote this novel about living in a time when people are watching you out of your television set and noticing whether you smile or whether you frown, whether you're with the program or not. Revelation 13 talks about a time that's coming when people that don't buy into the theology or don't buy into the system are going to be marginalized and said they're going to be killed. So the Bible gives us an idea of what can happen whenever this big data is carried off in a wrong direction. Uh, let's continue on that for a moment. <clears throat> Revelation 17 verses 3, 4 talk about John being carried away in the spirit into the wilderness, he saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, right? Mm -hmm. So we talked about the beast a little. Let's talk about the woman a little. Uh, how, what, what, what's that? Who's she? What, what's she doing? Why is she riding the beast? What's her interest in your data, the mark that you 
are known <coughs> by. Mr. Wakefield. Well, Dr. O'Neill just mentioned it, and he held up that booklet. If anybody wants to go into that uh, subject in great detail, by all means, uh, do so. Uh, it, this will tell you a lot about that particular thing. The, a lot is going on in Europe right now, and the, the, <coughs> the creation of a common currency has caused great financial stresses between the North and the South, the strong uh, nations financially and the weak nations financially. And it's threatening to pull the whole thing apart. So anytime you have these strong <coughs> centrifugal forces that are trying to push it apart, it will take very powerful forces to keep it together. If it's going to stay together, there are going to be some very strong forces to do it. That will require, well, <laughs> gover uh, government by computer for one thing, it can control everyone and control all of the finances of it as well. So there are a great many things that could, that could happen. It's been said that in the, to complete the monetary union, strong governance is needed. And I think that could very well be coming, and the technological uh, advances could play a big part of that. But when we see it, we will see it used for control, mm. for control of society, and there will be a rationale for doing it, as always is, and, and people will submit to it, but that will be, as you said, this great, wonderful show of this uh, great false religion riding this great political beast and that will um, be a, a very severe time in the world. It will bring on a severe time. You know, we talked about what is the woman on the beast. In Bible prophecy, a woman is used to be symbolic of a church. But this is talking about a fallen woman uh, dressed in red. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the popes have made comments over the years that the Catholic Church has been the roots, really, of Europe, the Catholic beliefs. And it said the popes were saying, we have something to give to the Europeans to pull them back together. Yes, we need a strong government, but even the popes have said we need something stronger than government. We need religion. Mm -hmm. We need religion. Yeah. And the implication is this woman riding the beast is going to be a theological influence on a physical government. Let's, let's talk about that for just a moment <clears throat> as, we, as we start to wrap up. There's an article, I'd like the control room to bring it up, by uh, Mr. Rod McNair. He's often on the program. And uh, it talks, Dr. Rowell, you're talking about a woman and the religion that's going to influence and so forth. The, uh, the, the, the behavior of the, of the government. Uh, the, the woman in Bible symbol, symbolism, church, beast, <coughs> Bible symbolism, an end time empire, government. If we could bring up that, uh, that article uh, by Rob McNair, uh, I think it's titled the, the Mysterious Mark of the Beast. And I want the, the audience to look on screen at what he wrote. Uh, he's, he's talking about mainstream Christianity and, and sort of the marks that, that mainstream Christianity has, has adopted. And he's talking a little bit about the marks or the identifications that, that God uh, wants his true worshipers to, to, to adopt, to, to follow. And I th isn't it interesting, we're talking about computers and technology and, and surveillance cameras, but it comes back to, to religion. It comes back to actually uh, what the Bible's warned us about. You can take that off screen, gentlemen. Um, so isn't that interesting? Uh, some final comments, uh, and, and specifically, what are some takeaways for, for Christians today? What should we do, consider, think about, pray about? Um, what's some encouragement you can give us? I know that's, I'm asking a lot to cover in a minute, but what are some final points for Christians today? Maybe, Mr. Wakefield, you want to take that first? Well, the, uh, what the Council of Nicaea did in the fourth century 
was to say that uh, it was anathema, literally made it unlawful under terrible penalties, to refuse to work on the Sabbath. The reason why was that all the Asiatic churches were keeping it, that, the Holy Days, and the Christian Passover. So this uh, pattern, I think, could very well reemerge, and we could uh, see this coming up. Um, we are to do good wherever we have an opportunity, especially for the, for the household of faith. But just remember that politics is not the answer to all of this. Christ is not coming to reform uh, Satan's profane mountain. He's coming to replace it. And we're going to see events accelerate, I think, with these things um, um, picking up and gaining in speed. Dr. Rennell? I think we're going to have to be willing to stand up for our beliefs, to prove what our beliefs really are, and to understand what the gospel is. It's not about going to heaven and sitting on a cloud. Jesus Christ is coming back, as you mentioned, to, to basically establish a new government on this earth, the kingdom of God. We're to come out of this world and leave the world kind of go on its own way. We're to be good examples. We're to be lights. But we're not going to change the world. That change is coming when Jesus Christ returns. And we're going to have to have faith in that. I think that's well said. We're to come out of this world and ultimately put our faith in Jesus Christ, God. Uh, you know, it says in Romans 8.39, I'll maybe end on that, Romans 8.39, no power on heaven, in heaven or, or, or on the earth can separate us from the love of God and of Christ. So uh, we, we really don't have to fear. I think we should be sober, but we know that God is, is almighty and um, we know that we don't have to fear. I would like to thank you gentlemen for a, a, a really interesting conversation. Hopefully out there you all enjoyed the conversation. I want to encourage everybody to share this, uh, this link on YouTube or Facebook. Thank you for joining us today, TW Now. We talked about Big Data and the Beast. Join us again next Thursday, same time, 3 o'clock Eastern, and we look forward to having you join us again then. Thank you.